The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. And Joe, how you doing uh, this week heading into the the big... uh, playoffs of baseball and the unfortunate collapse of your beloved New York Mets. Uh, I, I don't know if you could say it's a collapse. The, the collapse started when they didn't win, this, win the division. You know, they yeah. got swept by the Braves in the week before. And it's like all they had to do was win one of those games. And, you know, it, it's the same. You know, they, they, they bring in all these new guys and the pitching. Oh, it's great. And then all of a sudden, they're all mediocre. And DeGrom, as usual, you know, as great as he is, he's a guy who's not going to la- never last the season, which yeah. is crazy being that, uh, you know, he only pitches five or six innings. Right. Like That's it, true. It, it's just mind-boggling. Like – I'm not as big a fan in baseball. I'm watching the shifts and all the other stuff, and it's just like the batting average is the lowest ever. More people strike out than ever, and it's like everybody's trying to hit home runs, yet nobody bunts, nobody moves the runners. It's yet the, yet a lot of the games are still two to one and three to two. It's like nobody <laughs> wants to manufacture runs. If I'm a left-handed batter and the third baseman is playing pretty much the shortstop position, I'm going to go to left field all day. And well, nobody, nobody adjusts. Like, I'm going to hit a home run. Well, you know, other than Aaron Judge, Schwarber had like 47 homers and probably 400 strikeouts. Right. And he led the National League. But none of these guys can hit the ball when they need a single to the left field. It's like. I saw the stat of Judge as, as great a year he had that Tony Gwynn struck out less times in the entire 90s than Aaron Judge struck out for the one season. <laughs> well, let me ask you, you know. And he almost won the Triple Crown. Right, right, exactly. He still had, you know, a batting average of like 303 or 304. 314, I think it was, because the other guy was 316. Yeah. Um, so when you grew up and I, when I grew up as well, I think that fundamentally we were taught those aspects of the game, right? You know, hit them where they ain't, right? But what's interesting is how much do you think that that home run mindset that you see now is strictly based on younger guys, you know, when you're 10, 11, 12, 13 – being influenced by seeing or or their parents actually being influenced by seeing these guys who are hitting these monster home runs, getting big money 
and are basically trying to, you know, have their kids get big contracts instead of win baseball games. Do you think that that became a factor in baseball when the money started getting out of control? You know, the, the, the one thing that transcends every, every sport, when it, whether it's baseball, whether it's football, whether it's hockey, whether it's wrestling, you know, it's the basics and being able to do the basics very well. Right. And then you, you add on to that situations, you know, in baseball, it's situa- situational hitting. Yeah. Well, if everybody is moved over, why wouldn't I take advantage of that? Right. If I have some speed, why wouldn't I lay a bunt down? There's nobody to even grab the ball. Yeah. As long as you could put the bunt down. But if you can't bunt, then, it, 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 the, the, as they say, the point is moot. If you can't bunt the ball, they're saying, here, t- take one base. Yeah. Well, no, I'm going to go for four bases. Well, if you're really good, you hit 30 homers a year. So that's a homer every 5.2 games. Yeah. So how about those other four games you actually figure out a way to get on base and move the runner? Because yeah. in baseball, there's a lot of walks. Like, I can't believe Aaron Judge hit 62 homers. Like, why the fuck are you pitching to the guy? Right. Barry Bonds hit 70 home runs. I don't give a fuck what he was on. Yeah. They, they also intentionally walked him with the bases loaded. Yep. Yeah, think about and, and think about that, too. I think that gets lost because everyone wants to focus on the steroids, which is just... Right. How, how many guys were on steroids and they still fucking sucked? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, and it's, Jason Giambi must have had better steroids than Jeremy Giambi. Right, you know that's the thing. The thing is, is that that's a great point. You have two brothers who genetically have a very similar build, and I think that you're absolutely right. Whatever Jeremy Giambi was doing was just not effective because he wasn't as good of a player as his brother. Period. You still have to make contact. Yeah. If you're not going to hit the ball, Jason Giambi was a good hitter. Jerry yep. G- Jeremy Giambi for Major League Baseball was not a good hitter. But he and, was a way, he was a way know, better partier, though. Well, I don't know. I, I heard Jason was pretty good, too. So, <laughs> Well, uh, RIP uh, Jeremy Giambi, by the way. Um <laughs> All right, so this uh, this past weekend on Saturday night, FSW had high-octane moment of truth. Um, Joe, what was we'll, – we'll start out by what was your uh, your favorite match, your standout match? What, who do you think really caught your attention? I think uh, Damian Drake really presented himself very, very well with Gregory Sharp. Sometimes Damien kind of gets lost in the shuffle, being right. a former No Limits champion, unguided. He, he's really changed up his style, and, and some people don't love that. You know, sometimes even myself, where he was more of a high flyer, similar to Matt Vandegrift, and now D- Damien Drake is more of just a tremendous wrestler. 
And, you know, the high spots are much more infrequent, but doesn't make the match less entertaining. And this is one of the better matches. And, of course, he's in with Gregory Sharp, who's at the top of his game. So I expected a really good match from them. And that's what we got, especially on a card that was as good as it was listed. You know, a lot of times you go in and you're like, oh, this is going to be a fantastic card. But, you know, there's three or four matches on the show that don't deliver or you're hoping they over deliver because that'll make them mediocre or good. Right. Yep. You look at the card and it was like, okay, we got that perfect mix and match because we got two tag team matches. We have a women's match and we have a triple threat match. So now we're not piling on five singles matches in a row that are pretty similar in a lot of cases to each other. So not that it's the perfect card, because to me, the Mecca is a perfect card. But for a high octane, this is one of the best all around cards that we had, especially when Matt Vandergriff is defending the No Limits Championship in the opening match. Right. Right. Um, Before we get to that match, uh, with Damian and Greg, let me ask you, what is it for you when the fans react like they did for both those guys? Is it because of the fact that the fandom just knows those guys so well, you know, for, for years? Or is it just how good that those two have gotten that everything they are doing is drawing the fans' attention and really, um, you know, is is showing that the storytelling for those two now has gone from, you know, solid young wrestlers to really mature and, um, you know, on, on the cusp of, of being, dare I say, you know, guys who could be signed within the next year or two because of the fact that they've now become professional wrestlers well what you got to understand is everybody looks at the matches and other than danny rose's mother most people expect mad vandegrift to win if danny wins it would be considered a huge upset right you see gregory sharp who's been hot as he is he's wrestling the Nevada guy and Damian Drake, a lot of people have to take notice because that match is pretty much a pick em. Like, you can't say for sure that, yeah, you know, he's going to win. Sharp's going to win. Damian Drake's got no shot. Of course he's got a shot. And that's what makes the most interesting matchups. And that's why you try to build up other people. And I try to explain to whoever listens Fans need to believe that the opponent's going to win because now they were invested more. So if their guy is wrestling somebody that is really, really good, you know they're, they're you know they're going to root for him a little bit more. You know they want to they want to see they know it's going to be a good match. 
no matter what, you know, Danny Limelight and Jacob Austin Young, if they're not clicking on all cylinders, it's still going to be a pretty good fucking match. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you take a couple of the young guys and Raw Reese wrestles Oliver Canada at Future Shock, for example, they could go out there and, and, and have a banger. Yeah. But there's a much better chance that things are going to get clunky and things could turn really bad. And we saw that with a couple of the women's matches at Future Shock. You know, right. looks good on paper, seems to be doing good in training. But, you know, the spotlight hits and, you know, the match doesn't live up to anybody's expectations. Sure. And th- then the frustration sets in. So besides having that, you know, that card from beginning to end, either it was going to be a really, really good match or it was going to be. Yeah, I don't really know who's going to win this match, despite the situation. Clutch and Jordan Cruz. You know, you could look at both guys and make a list of why they're going to win that match. Right. You know, Mason Dixon line. Those guys were pretty good for anybody who remembers them in FSW. Well... In Tennessee, over the last three or four years, they've been dominating a lot of the wrestling shows. Yeah. And that was a great match for TBD. It was an awesome match. Silas Mason bumped his fucking ass off yeah. to make those guys look like stars. Yeah. You know, situations occur when you get these good matchups and they're champions in Tennessee and they're coming to Vegas to wrestle the FSW guys. And the main issue is always those backstage politics. Well, you know, we got to be protected. And, and, and you hear that a lot. And a lot of times it's fed guys who get right. released and then they come to your town to wrestle your main guy and they don't want to put him over. Right. Yep. But Silas Mason takes a, you know, double spine buster, basically. And yeah. gets pinned in the middle of the ring doing great business. But knowing Silas, I was not surprised in any way. TBD came out looking like monster champs as they get ready for their biggest title defense two weeks, less than two weeks from now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was, that was a great point in terms of Mason Dixon line was the perfect you know they're at they're at a high level but they're not carlito and masters and i think it's that perfect kind of warm-up match to show that tbd is ready for the big boys and it's i think that match is going to be one of those potential steal the card matches on uh on mecca um do you think that do you think that shogun and hero realize the opportunity that they are getting and will capitalize on this opportunity at Mecca? Uh, I believe Shogun does. I think Hero Lou could give a fuck. He just wants to go out there and prove he is a really good wrestler. I don't see him 
being intimidated, nervous, concerned. He just seems to be that kind of guy. It's like, who's in front of me? You know, it happened when he worked EC3. And I always yeah. joke about how, because he's such an even keel mellow dude. And EC3 asked, you know, what do you want to do? And he's talking about firing up in like the Ben Stein monotone voice. And EC3's like, really? Are, are you really going to fire up? And Hero's like, yeah, you know, I want to kind of do this. And EC3 is like, again, like, really? And then after the match, you know, he came to me because I talked to him before. Hey, young guy, great opportunity for him, you know. He came up. He's like, you know what? He did what he said he was going to do. He fired up. People were into it. The match was good. And no intimidation whatsoever, you know, working EC3. And being that was, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, whatever it was. Right. He was much more inexperienced. So I don't think that the big matchup at the Mecca is going to intimidate him in any way. Do you think with the uh, success of the bloodline that that might be something that opens more opportunities? Uh, we saw, obviously, Toa getting signed by AEW, but a guy like Hero having that kind of look um, where you could use him as that type of character in a storyline, you know, obviously not actual bloodline, but do you think that their success kind of helps guys who are in his situation who have that look who have that style who are very aggressive um that are going to get more opportunities because of the bloodlines uh just popularity right now i, I, I don't necessarily believe that i i you can't just say oh he's a samoan dude we're gonna we're gonna put him on the show because look at the success of the bloodline. The fact of the matter is there's guys out there, Toa, Juicy, Jacob Fatu, Hero Lou, they're good. Yeah. White, black, Samoan, Hawaiian, it, it doesn't matter what they are. They are good. And they are going to get booked. And some of them are at a higher level. And Jacob obviously is the higher guy of that group. But you got Toa. And Toe has got a great look, but he looks like a monster. Yeah. Who doesn't want a monster on their show? And Juicy's this big, massive guy that whatever he does, the fans love the dude. So, you know, Hero's a guy I personally believe probably should get out there more. Yeah. He's not a guy who is all over the place. You know, I see him do some work in Cali. But for all our guys that are in Arizona, I'm pretty sure Hero Lou hasn't wrestled for any of those companies. And sometimes people don't want to use guys like that because to bring in Hero and Shogun to put over their tag team that's probably not nearly half as good or half the size, right. how does that benefit Hero and Shogun? Right. So 
you know, I that, that's the one thing I'm always try to be insistent upon when when talking to the younger guys who are getting very excited because you know they get a payday, they get they get to drive to Arizona and California and work some shows, and it's like remember the benefits that have to outweigh the the negatives in those situations. You know, you're not getting paid huge money. It's not groundbreaking. If you're taking off from work, you probably would have made more money at your regular job. But you're right. doing it for the experience and things like that. But if the experience is you're wrestling a limited guy who doesn't have a lot of training and isn't very good the only thing that could come out of it is you get hurt yeah you know what are you going to do beat up a guy who doesn't know how to wrestle we've seen a lot of guys who don't know how to wrestle get booked on shows right and it's just a continuous thing because that's what happens when there's a hundred shows running a weekend in california arizona vegas you know i exaggerate obviously 100 shows but there's way more there's way more shows than that's needed yeah and it spreads the talent thinner yeah so i always try to encourage these guys to pick and choose the bookings you know make sure it's something that's going to benefit you in the long run because getting a match to get a match that doesn't really mean very much. Right. Um, you know, opportunities, uh, when we kind of mentioned Vandegrift uh, opened the show against Danny Rose. Do you think Danny Rose made the most of the opportunity he was given in that match? Yeah, I think he did very well in the match. You know, he had to rely on himself. He didn't have to rely on Ricky. You know, there isn't like, let's have confusion with the ref to do some cheap spots. He has to actually go in there with the guy that he probably strives to want to be down the line as good as. And despite his cockiness and his brashness and his arrogance, he knew working Matt Vandegrift's a big deal. He's yeah. not looking down at that opportunity. And what shocked me even more was that the motherfucker actually shook Matt Vandegrift's hand. It's like, yeah, I get Ricky doing it. I'm like, there's no fucking shot in hell that Danny's going to fucking shake Matt Vandegrift's hand. Yeah. But he did. Yeah, it's it's interesting that, you know, uh, you have both Suavecitos in singles competitions with Matt, and they were as good as you could expect for where they are in their careers right now. They both looked really good, and it's also credit, of course, to, to Matt. You know, let's let's not deny that Matt's grown into that role now, where he can have matches with guys like that and make them look as good as they should look. Um, and really, the you know, again, a good a good opening match because that gets the crowd in it because they're familiar with Danny and his character and, and despising him and love Matt. And it was just a great setup and a great feel. How important is it for you as a, as a booker when you're coming up with cards to have a match like that, open a show 
to get the crowd into the show. Oh, I thought you had a follow-up. Yeah, it's extremely important. That's why a lot of times we like to do the scramble. It's a hot opener. It's four guys, five guys flying around, zippity-zip. And in reality, we could have gone – the only other option I thought would have been the, the triple threat match Sure. To, to open the show. But I was against it because now Matt's kind of just thrown into the middle of the card early on. When he goes on first, it kind of makes a statement. Yeah. My son was like, oh, you should do the triple threat. And I'm like, believe me, Joey, I thought about it. Matt Matt likes the idea. It's a hot way to get the thing started. And then he was like, well, what about making it the second match? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do the, the, the two speed demon matches in a row. We right. need to start him here take him down a little but it isn't taking him down a little because in reality it's a match like okay this guy's having his second match against another guy who's really young and coming along but because of the whatever reason that is there it is the 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 magic of jimmy jack you know i i cannot explain for any reason other than that 50 of those people bought tickets because they were friends with him. It was like in Future Shock, the guy didn't wrestle on any of our shows. He didn't wrestle on other people's shows. He did a little spot at some Lucha Fest with Sinbodi a couple months back. So he comes out and it's like infectious. Like people are cheering this guy and it's like, how do they even know who this fucking guy is to cheer? You know, I could see you see him and then you like him. Right. At Future Shock, nobody nobody knew him, but they somehow liked him. So now you double down. Here's a guy who was beloved in his opening match, and the crowd was screaming for anything he did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I still can't understand it but that's what makes wrestling as wonderful as it is that a guy like jimmy jack who two months ago wasn't even sure if he could wrestle again had some issues from covid and he ended up taking three four months off but he was a guy that still showed up to every fucking setup he could he was there more than the guys who were supposed to be there he wasn't part of fsw but he was always around hey we needed a camera guy he did that we needed somebody to pick somebody up he did that no matter what so he's a person that you say you know what he wasn't actually booked for future shock i'll be 100 percent honest uh the wednesday before future shock when the card was mainly done there was a few spots uh, Kenny King put together like a little testing, uh, you know, a test TV show and sure. put together matches. And Kenny was like, there was four standouts. And again, not everybody was there, but the four standouts, one of them, he said, was Jimmy Jack. And I was like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? And I that. 100% honest. 
So then, I think it was Friday, and the card was still unsettled. I assumed I would maybe put Jimmy Jack on the next future shot because I wasn't sure there was room. And he was like, hey, bro, you know, what do I got to do to get on this show? And I'm like, a spot. It has nothing to do with whether I believe you're worthy. Kenny put you over, said you're worthy. I just don't know if I have a spot. And then we figured stuff out. We moved somebody with somebody else. And it was like, okay, well, we'll put him in uh, with Koa. I was a little nervous about that just because of the fact that Koa is pretty inexperienced too. Right. So I didn't want him to have to be the guy to lead someone who's really not had any matches. But he came out, played to the crowd. Koa did a great job. And it just worked out that the spot that was available was against Koa's other partner in AJ Mana. So yeah. who knows? Maybe the Hard Lemonade tag team of Manny Lemons and Jimmy Jack to go after the MK Army at the next Future Shock. Sure. You know, sure. Ability. You know, I got ideas. You know, Jimmy Jack, I can officially announce today that the first man that has been signed to the Against All Odds 30-man rumble is Jimmy Jack. And is this the first Jimmy Jack's hearing about it? Is Jimmy Jack what? Is this the first time Jimmy Jack's hearing about it? It is. I'm pretty sure, yes. (laughs) That's excellent. I, you know, is, is this, are stories like his the reason that it kind of just drags you back in, that pro wrestling is that type of thing where, you never really stop becoming a fan because of the fact that out of nowhere comes a guy like this, where for whatever reason, everything just clicks with the fans and he can do the work. (laughs) You know, it's, that's the other thing. You got to give him credit for being able to do the work. Are stories like his, the thing that kind of, you know, motivates that extra special thing for you as a promoter that you can help guys like this get that exposure and get that experience. Well, the thing is the idea of putting together matches and running cool shows, you know, I've always loved that part of everything. It's the other part that weighs on you, drags you down and you sit there and it's like, I don't fucking want to be here. I don't want to go to the school today. I know three people are going to whine and complain about what they didn't get and what they didn't do and what, 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 what. And, you know, whether it's the guy who hasn't gotten a match, whether it's a guy who's had a few matches, whether it's a guy that's a main event guy who kind of gets lost in the shuffle, lose the title, things like that, that it comes at you from everywhere. And as I say with, guys that I deal with and we've had guys in the past who were kind of sent away for a while because the negative just outweighed the positive. And I'll be honest for a while, the negative of 
just everything going on was really outweighing the positives. It's like, what the fuck am I even bothering for? It seems like there's a lot of ungrateful people. And when I say a lot, I'm not saying 80%, but 20% is a lot for me. Like, I know I've gone out of my way for so many talents uh, that in a lot of cases, I've always said it, where the outside guys seem to show a lot more respect than the guys who started here because they kind of didn't have to do much but get better and all of a sudden get booked when I would have probably never booked them when they were in California. If they were a Santino's guy and they just went over there, it would have took a while for me to get a lot of recommendations about a Santino guy like, say, Cameron Gates, who we just started using, who's been, been on for a while. And yeah. it was the same thing with Eli and Che Cabrera and Douglas James and Tito and Ray Rosas and Willie Mack mentioning these people that, that we would bring into the into the fold. While the students, if they become decent enough, they're going to get a spot on Future Shock. Nobody else is going to book them, but I do. And now all of a sudden I see my guys get booked. They worked one or two matches. And now even in town, they're working shows. Jimmy Jack, Angel Celestial. He had one good performance already in a show somewhere else in town. So we know we produce good people. But sometimes they are expecting of it. And as I said, when the pandemic hit, other than a Hammerstone and Graves and, say, Jacob Austin Young, we didn't bring in anybody. So when right. we were doing those 50 to 75 fan shows, all the younger guys who may not have got on that high octane, well, we weren't doing Future Shock. They would have never been on. But because right. we were doing that, so now once we started getting back into a regular mix, now they're all wondering why, well, I was on the show before. It was like, yeah, because we didn't bring in people. You know, that's why there's a mecca pre-show that's going to feature an eight-man tag and we're going to try to you know put it on all the platforms to 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 hype up the show because you know i know a danny limelight will have no problem uh, on the pre-show talking for the entire show if you let him <laughs> so he, he's gonna hype stuff up and hopefully yeah. seeing the look at that i'm looking at the shift now and the, the third baseman is like 10 feet away from the second base bag. Horrible. Yeah. It's like, just hit the ball that way. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, getting back to it, yeah. So now they're going to look at And we have one of the matches. The uh, It's going to be the faction. Ice Williams, Fresco, Watson, and, uh, oh, yeah, Braxton. And they're going to go up against uh, the, the again, like using that name, the, the disciples of sin. It'll be Bodhi, Sky High, and Sin Bodhi. So nice, nice. That's a, a nice, good pre-show match to, get, to kick things off, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and it's a good way to get uh, you know fans into it. Uh, obviously, the faction is one of the most hated, and uh, you know Bodhi and Sky High. Um, you know, they've been on the radar of the fans of being such fan favorites. And, and of course, Sin. 
Um, when you when you look at Mecca from that perspective, how important is it for those guys, except for Sin, being he's you know had his experience, he's a veteran, and, you know, a head trainer. How is it important for the faction and Bodhi and Sky High to go out there and really perform at their best because everyone after them are guys who have been around, who've made their names either in FSW or on the national level. Is that an important, you know, because a lot of times you look at the, the first matches, the, the, the pre-show matches, a lot of times the, the term has always been curtain jerker. What is it for those guys that they can do to show that they put in 100% into this match? Because I think the other catch is that sometimes guys go, yeah, well, I'm on the pre-show, but I should be on the main card. How do they translate showing that next year or the next Mecca, Mecca 9, that because of what they did at Mecca 8, Mecca 9, they should at least get consideration for that main card? Well, the easy answer is they shouldn't take it personally, but everybody has an ego. The last casino show, who was in the main event? Well, they were. The show before that, who was in the main event? Hammerstone and Ice Williams. They were. On the Mecca show, I know a thousand percent that when we announced Team Filthy, they would have probably thought, hey, this is, this is our spot, the faction, three on three. Right. And when I let them know that they weren't getting that spot because I had to figure out where Bateman was going to go. And with his past with Funny Bone and wrestling with Cody, who, again, Funny Bone and Cody are just as deserving to be on that show. Yeah. They've been around forever. So that six man made sense. Now... Unless I was doing a three-way, nine-way match, a nine-man tag, three-on-three-on-three, they would have been that team. Right. So, now they're like, probably, what the fuck? We're in the main event. We can't even get on the Mecca. But I had this idea in my head of what we were going to do, and they're going to be in a spotlight position but you also got to understand we're bringing in a Kenny King, a Davey Richards, a Masters, a Carlito, a Bateman, uh, the old 1%, Tom Lawler, Funny Bone, who usually comes in for the bigger shows, Hammerstone, Bay, Brian Cage, Danny Limelight. And it's like, okay, well, what opportunity is available there? You know, guys like, well, what about, hey, what about Brett the Threat? What about Nick Xander who's suspended to lift it for a Mecca? What about Clutch? What about Jordan Cruz? What about a lot of the guys? And again, it's like, what about Brandon Gatson? What about Eli Everfly? 
there there are so many guys who can fit that spot. Yeah. And as we've always done with the Mecca, it was always the deal of trying to bring in big stars to coincide mix in with the FSW guys. Initially, it wasn't even meant to be FSW guys. It was just like, hey, if you were good enough, and we were doing two or three of those guys. So now where we've mixed in, and Jay Vidal would be in there, and and Matt Vandergriff, and Damian Drake, and Remy, and Cody, and Jake. Now TBD get a mainstay match on the Mecca. Last time they got it, it was in a three-way tag, I believe. And that was kind of like the odd match out, if you say. You know, you look at the card and it's like, okay, that was, that seemed a little different for a Mecca show. It was, I believe, TBD, Sky High, and I'm not even sure if there was a third team. I don't know. That's why Basitos were in that. And and it was probably death proof. So we probably did it. Yeah, it was. and, And that's the situation. It, it, it's not, oh, he's better than him. He gets the spot. It's like, okay, we're putting together the card. This is the spot. Who is the person who works best for that spot? Yeah. A lot of people thought we were going to have Viva wrestle Maserati. And we definitely will. And that's an FSW match. But having the opportunity to use Dark Sheik, who's buzzing all over, you know, the U.S. independent wrestling scene, that's a great match for Viva Van. Yeah. So it's just trying to mix and match and give the best opportunity. And Sin's a guy we don't use that often. He gets a lot of bookings. He's working for WWE still, doing some stuff. So it's like, okay, not really thinking about putting him on the card. Then all of a sudden it's like, hey, bro, I'm available and it's like, oh, shit. You know, you want to make sure here's a guy who trains your people. He gives us the rub to the WWE. How do you leave him off yeah. when he's available? And say, you know, you could say, well, hey, he fits in with Bateman, Cody, and Funny Bone. Well, if we were going to put Limelight in the match and it was a four and four, Sin would have been the fourth guy in that eight-man tag. But we right. didn't do an eight-man tag, so he became the odd man out. Right. And now it's like, okay, are we able to find something for him? Hey, what about Bodie? He's 15 years old. Do you want to spotlight him on, on our biggest show? Most definitely. But how do you do it? Right. You know, I could, I, could, I could put 13 matches together, and they're all going to be great matches. But we only, I only wanted to do eight matches and then the pre-show. But then Remy Marcel becomes the odd man out because he was initially going to wrestle Chris Masters. But then with Carlito in the mix, it made more sense to have them work TBD. Right. So then talking with MK, he was able to secure Sam Adonis. Well, now who does Sam Adonis work? Well, Remy Marcel is the only option at that point, And it's a good match for Remy. And Sam's a great dude to have on. So... Now we're at nine matches, and we're going to have two during the pre-show. So get there early. Uh, when you look at 
you know, saying Remy and Sam Adonis, does so when you look at the card and you're starting to try to figure out how you slot the matches then, does something like Remy versus Adonis become a match where you you go, you know, I could consider making this an opener because of how good that match could potentially be in getting the fans involved? Well, on uh, the Full Tilt AEW weekend, we made Remy Marcel and Willie Mack the opener. Yeah. And that was tremendous. Right now, I, we have nine matches set, no, no doubt about it. So in match number nine, which is the main event, we already know Hammerstone Bay and Brian Cage ladder match for the Mecca Grand Championship. Done deal, number nine. Number eight, tag title match, TBD versus Masters and Carlito. Now the other matches, it's going to be sit down and what works the best. Obviously, I'm not going to want to do the six-man and then do a tag match because you kind of want to space it out. And, you know, so the options are we have a six-man, again, we have a women's match, and we have a scramble. So those three matches kind of got to go in between the singles matches unless the singles matches are so polar opposite. So if I'm going to do... Like in the past, they say Tom Lawler versus Graves. I'm not going to follow it up with Tito and Toa. But right. I would follow it up with, say, Jay Vidal against Trey Miguel. Right. Because it's a totally different match. So now I got to see in those seven matches, okay, Remy and Adonis, not for a title. So you, And generally, if there's title matches, you got Vandegrift and Kenny King. And you got Gregory Sharp and Davey Richards. Right. I can already give you the first match of the show. And that's going to be Davey Richards and uh, Gregory Sharp. Yeah. That's that's great. That is a great first match. And that's just because of uh, flight difficulties. Flight difficulties, right? So <laughs> Davey's got to be back the next day. So he's going to open the show. Um, so and, one, and, eight, and nine are done. Yeah, and now and now it's uh, you know you, you give all the theory and then uh, really is it just throwing darts at a dartboard or is it uh, named? No, nope. never darts on a dartboard. I'm always figuring out what's the best combinations yeah. to get in there. Yeah, like if we're gonna do Davy versus Sharp. Odds are I don't want to follow it up with another singles match. Right. So there's a good chance the scramble, which I usually like to do first, would go in the number two spot. Right. Then you'd probably go with, say, a Remy versus Sam Adonis at match three. And going backwards, the women's match will probably be in the five or six area. You would say, normally I would say, hey, a Toa and Tito could be seven. But since that's a battle of the bruiserweights and so is the tag title match, I'd rather space that a little bit and say maybe we do Toa and Tito six and Viva and Dark Sheik seven and then the tag match eight. Yeah, And then we work backwards again where 
if Remy's three, we do the six man tag four, uh, which leaves Matt Vandergriff and Kenny King five. Right. So, but that's just off the top of my head. I got to see again, as always, but it's definitely a uh, probably a pretty close. You know, it's that yeah. game you're gonna price is right where you got to put everything together and you, you're darting from one to the other because you got to yeah. get all the prices the same. And then it's like, right. there's three correct. And then you got to right. get five correct for you to win the prize. Right. No, it's, um, you know, I think a, a lot of times too, the, you know, you could look at other shows and go, you know, it's just not planned out right. And that's some of the reasons that I think uh, shows don't work sometimes or companies don't work sometimes. They don't have the right um, planning that goes into how matches line up on a card, which is, is a very interesting thing. Um, you brought up Davey Richards. I want to really encourage anyone listening, if you're anywhere close to Las Vegas, Davey is going to be doing a seminar that Sunday uh, morning, uh, $40. Don't miss it because Davey is absolutely one of the smartest minds in this business, hands down. And, man, it's an opportunity if you're even close to the city and you can get into Las Vegas, do it. Because you don't get these opportunities to – learn from guys like Davy Richards often. Um, and it, it just, you know, if you want to be a professional, learn from the best. And he's one of the best around. And I'm so glad that he's getting that opportunity to do another workshop because unfortunately some of the guys just, um, they didn't go last time. And it's almost yeah, there was, there was there was a huge mix of things with the stuff going on. There were some shows that were running and, yeah. and things like that. And we've had a larger influx of students that are kind of getting a little closer to maybe being ready. So it, it's highly encouraged for those guys yeah. to to take advantage of the opportunity. You can only you can you can never stop learning. You know, even guys. Like, who'd I get a message from? Uh, like the Arizona crew, they're not going to be on the Mecca, but Blair Brody, Devin Reno, Koa, they're going to be down there for the seminar. Jordan Cruz is driving up to just come to the seminar. Yeah. And you never know. Like, we're still trying to fill that scramble spot. We're still trying to fill the pre-show spot. Well, you show that you really want it by showing up to the Mecca, not booked to participate in the seminar and you're really good. Of course, I'm going to get you a spot. Yeah. Or at least try my best. Yeah. So, you know, that's up to those guys. And I expect a much bigger turnout. You know, plus there was also the Booker T one after and Booker T is a, a legend and, you know, two totally different types of seminars. Right. Davey Richards is a wrestling teacher. Exactly. Yep. You know, our, if you're a tag team guy, 
Well, he was in one of the greatest tag teams of all time with Eddie Edwards. Yeah. The Wolves. So you should be able to learn tag team stuff. If you're a singles guy, well, he's an MLW middleweight champion and he's a former Ring of Honor world champion. So this guy's been a world champion pretty much everywhere he's gone. Yeah. So it would probably be pretty wise to take advantage of that situation. Yeah. Uh, just just highly encourage, uh, you know, the opportunity is there. So please uh, take advantage of it. Um, with Mecca coming up here, what is your biggest focus now that we're – you know, just just under two weeks out. Um, what are your main concerns when you look at what you have to do to make sure everything is ready to go on the 23rd? Well, you know, everything is in check. We pretty much got the card. It's, it's finalizing, you know, a flight here or there, a hotel here or there, because for some reason it's a really – busy weekend i guess in town uh there's that music festival so there's a lot of uh, higher prices when it comes to getting hotel rooms so i gotta maneuver my casino host to hopefully uh you know be able to get me a few rooms that way the cost is is a little bit less but getting everything in place you know rides for a couple people that are coming in like i know uh, Royce and Jarrell, they're coming in from another state. They're flying in from another show they're doing. So they're going to be needing transportation, for example. Yeah. And it's getting these younger guys to understand that's what their job is. You know, get in the car with Chris Masters and maybe ask a question or two. Yeah. God forbid. Chris Masters is a great dude. He'll be more than happy to talk a little wrestling. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's opportunities where you, uh, you know, if you're not always thinking about those opportunities to ask questions, no matter, you know, the situation that you're presented, then why are you doing this? And I think that's, you know, instead of looking at it as like, ah, oh, dude, I got to go pick up this guy, blah, blah, blah. It's like, Hey man, this is an opportunity. You're going to be alone in a car for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is. Um, and that's a great point. Uh, you know, never, never pass up those opportunities to pick someone's brain because that might just spark something in you and you might find something that you would never thought of because of a simple conversation. That's a great point. Well, you know, there, there was a guy, this kid, Ben, he was a referee. It was all right, nothing special. And we needed somebody to pick up Scott D'Amour and Moose who were doing the tryout. And those guys got a liking to Ben. And all of a sudden, Ben got to be reffing on impact. And yeah. because he gophered around and did the grunt work that required him spending his day running around for no money. And they said, you know what, kid? 
hey, you can ref a match. You can ref this match. And Ben would go to the show on his own dime, but then get utilized. Yeah. And that's how you get things done. You know, MK was a guy who hit up Dreamer, said, well, you know, we're not flying you from Utah for House of Hardcore in Philly. But if you want to come down, he came down, he found the spot for him. And then MK ended up being on a bunch of House of Hardcore shows. Yeah. You know, a lot of people talk about, oh, you know, you shouldn't fly this place. Oh, you better get paid to do this. It's like there's a lot of value in certain things. It's called being an intern. I went to college and they offered an internship to go work at Polygram Records. Fucking A. I used to drive to New York City like twice a week, sometimes more, you know, parked by Studio 54. There was this regular parking lot, you know, two stories. And I'd have to pay like 20 fucking dollars a day to park there. And I lived an hour and 15 minutes from the city driving. And you got to remember when there's traffic, it's a lot more because it was New York City. And I did it. And I got the opportunity to save thousands of dollars on records and concerts. Sure. Because there's a concert. Didn't even have to be your own artist. I remember there was the lady who was in the office and, you know, I was the runaround guy. I had to do shit. And it was like, oh, Paul Young's playing at Radio City Music Hall. You want the tickets? I'm like, sure. And it was that night and went to the concert. Yeah. And I used to have to deal with the billboard reporting DJs who always wanted records. And I'd have to mail them all out and stuff. But then in turn, you start talking to other interns from other companies. And now everybody was trading off records. So now I was getting a whole record collection that's worth thousands of dollars. And I was a DJ. So that was perfect. I was getting all, you know, I was getting supplemented basically 50 to 75% of my music collection without having to buy it. And the fact that I didn't get paid was fucking pointless. Like who gave a shit? You know, when a job came up, I ended up not getting it. Oh, well, but I was there for a couple of years and, you know, got free credit for school. Right. Help bring bring up the D's and the C's. You know, you got the you get the A's, but (laughs) it was a great experience to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, and that's and that's also something to to look at when you're young, even if you are starting to wrestle on cards and you're making, you know, a few dollars here or there, you're still learning. You're still in school, essentially. Um, And that's a a great point because those opportunities, especially those first two, three years, are invaluable um, to, you know, what you're going to be encountering in your fifth or sixth year in professional wrestling. So that's a, that's a great point. Um, as we start uh, wrapping up this week, Joe, uh, anything uh, for the, uh, the listeners? Well, we're, we have a really busy schedule, you know, after the Mecca, usually we like to relax a little bit, but it's Halloween season. So of course, six days later, we got our Halloween show and I can announce 
that we will have a lumberjack match, a casket match, and of course the gimmick battle royal. So we're definitely uh, putting that all together. And the gimmick battle royal has been a hit for 10 years. You know, the students and the wrestlers, they all get to dress up as their favorite entertainment figure. In most cases, it's wrestling, but I think Brett the Threat's probably looking for that Conor McGregor gig, you know. <laughs> but then the week after that, we follow it up with Future Shock on November 6th or 5th. November 5th, because it's a Saturday. And then November 20th will be against all odds. And as I already stated, Jimmy Jack, the first participant, signed for the 30-person Rumble. There we go. Um, so, Halloween, again, the Battle Royal is, is a fan favorite. Let me ask you, if you were involved in this Battle Royal and you had a dress as your favorite persona, what would you uh, be in the battle royal? Well, my favorite wrestler of all time is Brett the Hitman Hart. So if I can get a Hart Foundation uh, pink and black leather jacket, I'd be in for that, brother. Oh, and also signed for the Halloween show, a performance by the one and only Santana Jackson making his return. Hey, there we go. All right. That's nice to hear. It's been a while since uh, Santana's been in the ring uh, in in some form, so that's cool to see. Um, you know, really, again, talented, talented dude. Um, I'm just, I'm still getting the picture of you uh, with the Brett the Hitman hair and the sunglasses. So, <laughs> would Rocky be your uh, Jim Jim the Anvil? No, uh, Rocky would definitely uh, be Hulk Hogan because he uses his entrance theme anyway. It's like, bro, you do know that's actually Hulk Hogan's entrance theme. But, you know, can't convince him otherwise. Uh, and, and really, let's be honest, we, we those deep-cut wrestling fans know that Real American is... Wyndham and Rotundo's theme. So Hogan just took that. FSW fans know it's the legendary Rocky T's theme. <laughs> oh, man. They don't, uh, know who Barry, they don't know who Barry Wyndham is. Oh, come on. Come on. Legendary Four Horsemen. Come on. Uh, well, he, he, if you rate the Horsemen, I think Barry was five or six, so. It's still, still over Paul Roma. So let's let's face it. Not in my book. Oh, oh no! I'm a Roma guy, not for the Horsemen, but I'm a Roma guy. Um, mentioned Rotundo. My final uh, thought this week uh, for you is: you Kevin saw Cross. It. What about Cross? He won a strap match. Yeah, I was just going to say. You saw, you know, Bray came back. We saw. Uh, Kevin Cross in that um, amazingly brutal strap match. Holy crap. So is he uh, the white? You know, my kid believes he's the white rabbit and Scarlet is the witch. And Dexter Loomis was the other guy and uh, Strowman was the pig. I'm thinking Eric Rowan's in there somewhere. Well, my favorite is uh, 
the fan theory that the the buzzard is uh, is Corbin. <laughs> so, well, all I know is the best news I heard all weekend is Bo Dallas will be returning to WWE. This has world champion written all over. You know, I actually, I, I will say that I thought that Bo had actual better in-ring skills and mic skills than Bray uh, until <laughs> Bray found the character uh, that uh, Sin Bodhi probably gave him the, the seeds for. Let's, let's be honest. Well, um, Sin will definitely agree with that, but I'm pretty sure Bray Wyatt won't. Just saying. Fair enough. But overall, what did you think of uh, what did you think of Cross's uh, performance in that match? And does that set him up, uh, you know, to elevate him to what it looks like they're going to be uh, using him in in terms of his role? I'll tell you what, it's really tough now. All of a sudden, the main event on SmackDown, you got a Strowman, you got Drew, you got Reigns. Looks like Bray Wyatt's coming to SmackDown. So the question becomes, are you just going to feed Cross to Roman Reigns? But if you don't, what is he going to do? He just beat technically the number one contender in Drew McIntyre. So where do you go? Do we have the FSW matchup between Solo Sokoa and Karrion Cross, baby? <laughs> Survivor Series, the Bloodline versus the Funhouse and Cross Unmasks, and it's Cross, Strowman, Bray Wyatt, and either Loomis or Bo Dallas. Yeah, that could be interesting. Bo can offset Sami Zayn, you know? Yeah. And how great is Sami Zayn right now? I can't. El Generico, you know, think back. El Generico. This is that guy. (laughs) It's amazing. El Generico talk less than Hyperstreet. Right. (laughs) It's just insane. Uh, the it just shows you know when you stick with something and when you commit to it and when you find the right opportunities to insert yourself into that you know that level 10 persona of who you are it's it's one of the most entertaining things just on television in general when he's on TV and well uh, well the crazy thing is Sami Zayn was signed specifically cuz he was a really good wrestler and the right. funny thing is, if you look at all the members of WWE, Sami Zayn is the most over for a guy who doesn't even wrestle. Yeah. Like him just being there in all different occasions, just being an, ante- an antagonist and an instigator. And it's like, he can really wrestle. Like him and AJ Styles can go. Yeah. But he doesn't even need to exert himself in that manner. Yeah. And then when he gets, you know, when you, you put him in a match like he was on, on Friday, um, it just goes to show 
how good he is because everything about that match moves storyline forward. And that's hard to do sometimes, you know, to, especially when you have that seven minutes or five minutes in a television match to make sure that that storyline is going to, you know, to that next point, um, which was always a complaint that fans had about WWE. Oh, they're just wrestling the same guys, blah, blah, blah. Stories don't go anywhere, etc. And you're seeing now what it takes when you have a good creative and good creative talent. It's just, it's fabulous to see. Um, and who would have ever thought he would mix into the bloodline? That's the other thing that is fascinating about what is going on with him right now. Um, just just great stuff all around. All right, Joe. Um, once again, FSW Network. Uh, I know uh, if you want to uh, catch up on the prior Meccas, $6.99 a month for FSW Network. And you can check out Meccas 1 through 7 on the network currently. You can also check out the show we were just talking about, Future Shock, that happened this uh, past weekend. Um, amongst all the other uh, things that are on the network, including matches from Karrion Cross and Solo Sokoa uh, that uh, showcased uh, their careers in FSW. And uh, looks like maybe uh, Zoe Stark is on her way to uh, possibly having another women's tag team championship. Uh, so another person to uh, keep your eye on. Uh, you can see Lacey. Oh, is she wrestling for the tag titles? Her, it looks like her and Nikita are uh, picking up some steam. And I, I, I don't know if it's tonight, if they actually have the match tonight, but they are going to be having that match within the next I don't know if it's at uh, if it's tonight or if it's going to be at Halloween Havoc but it looks like they're pretty high on those two as a tag team so that's good to see um, that you know the injury didn't you know take her out of their minds as being a, a top uh, competitor so um just very interested to see her and Nikita seem to have a pretty good chemistry. So um, very happy to see, uh, to see Lacey get a little, uh, a little more love from uh, NXT and uh, the fans every time she gets out there. So, but again, you can see FSW network, you can see uh, Lacey Ryan's matches uh, and uh, just enjoy, uh, enjoy her progress of, uh, growing in FSW. And uh, again, Mecca is coming up on the 23rd. Um, front row is sold out, but you're looking to uh, reconfigure that a little bit? Yeah, we're just trying to get, you know, obviously I like to give our regulars the opportunity and a few have hit me up. So we are finalizing because you know, somebody may say, like George, hey, I need seven. Well, I'm going to put seven on hold for him. And then he may come back with, hey, I got the final count. It's five. Okay, well, there's two extra now. And right. we always try to make sure because I forgot on certain people who are like, hey, can you reserve them for me? Which, again, for our regulars, we're going to do. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, this guy wanted four. This one wanted three. I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot. 
I saw it in the message, but I didn't write it down because I try to I keep track of everything. Right. So we're at a number where we're pretty close. So now it's like, OK, let me see what we got. I'm pretty sure we can get a few more in because I know we did before. So I'm just trying to make sure our regulars who had already said I want tickets are going to be having the ability to get them. So I'm pretty sure there's going to probably be a half dozen more that'll become available in the next couple of days. Excellent. And uh, again, you can get your tickets now. Um, and if you are not in town, uh, check out the Mecca on Fight TV. It's going to be a 5 p.m. Pacific uh, start time. And uh, also, again, look for the uh, pre-show, which will uh, start at uh, around 4 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, get your uh, get you all hyped up for the uh, the Mecca card. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it next week. But uh, right now, Joe, enjoy the rest of uh, the baseball afternoon. And uh, what is it? Four games today total. So yeah, I believe all four today. Go Yankees! Go Yankees! You, you can take the guy out of New York, but you can't take New York out of the guy, right? That's right. Go Yankees. <laughs> there you go, everyone. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll see you guys next time.